0: thank you for the royal robes that you've given us and to serve you lord we cannot serve you without the presence of your holy spirit and as we come and glance glance into your word this morning lord we want to take a look at the holy spirit and that which he has bestowed upon us so that we might walk in the power of your spirit that we might live a life that is pleasing to you and that we might be able to serve you effectively that we might be able to pray effectively Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can be seated, please? This morning we're going to look at, we're going to take a topic of the Holy Spirit. You know, we often treat this topic when we're either doing, you know, discipleship class, so we're speaking to those who have given their name and their life to Christ, encouraging them to grow in the faith. But it's a topic, obviously, which is very important to each and every one of us. And it's as you're going to come and see, you can't be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. And when we come and look at God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit— as we know, you know, God manifests himself in three ways, and yet we, have, we only serve one God. And each time you look at God coming into humanity, coming to minister to us, you, we find them all working together. We find the Godhead working together. Last month, we had a time of prayer, and obviously, obviously, many times when you have prayer, the enemy wants to, to fight back and kick back, and We've been talking about prayer, the Holy Spirit lady on my heart would be so appropriate to also look at the Holy Spirit and how he can aid us and help us in our walk. First of all, work up a word about the Holy Spirit himself. You know, when we come to salvation, 1 Peter 1, 2 talks about we are elect according to the knowledge of God through the sanctification of the Spirit and the sprinkling of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're talking about our salvation, you can see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all in manifestation. When it comes to baptism, and many of us would have witnessed our baptisms we've done before, what do we say? We say we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. When we come to the end of a service and we are sharing the grace, what do we say? And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So whether it's got to do with our salvation, when we're being saved, we see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit involved. When it comes to do with being baptized in water, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit involved. Or just the grace to live day by day. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit And for those of us that have been, you know, baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking tongues, this will be a journey as you go through that. I'm praying that it will be, it will renew that hunger and that zeal in your life, in your hearts. And for those of us that haven't, it will be another opportunity to receive it. But I found it, you know, quite rewarding, encouraging, edifying, even as I was studying this topic. So we're going to go through a walk through through the New Testament, but particularly the book of Acts and looking at the activities of the Holy Spirit. Now, first of all, let me start by this. John chapter, Matthew chapter 3, where John almost introduces us to this topic in Matthew chapter 3. And if you've got your Bibles, please open along with me. It's good that we read our Bibles. I know we've got, got them on mobile phones and that, and yes, you can read it off your mobile phone too, but it's important that we allow the words to you know, come before our eyes. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, here was John the Baptist speaking and he said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And it's almost like here John is introducing the coming of the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm baptizing you with water, but one's going to come who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It was always part of the plan of God. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot serve God. And that's probably the first thing that I need to emphasize here. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's not that some have it and some don't. You cannot be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. So no one's going to go away from here this morning thinking, oh, maybe I don't have the Holy Spirit. If you are a born-again believer, you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You already have the Holy Spirit working in your life. That's the reason why you came to a knowledge of Christ. John chapter 3 from verse 5. John chapter 3 from verse 5, a well-known verse. And I'm going to read it again because it emphasizes certain things. John chapter 3, reading from verse 5, it says, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and the Spirit. The water and the Spirit representing the flesh and representing the Holy Spirit. In other words, your mind has to acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ and your spirit too is touched by the same. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. We start the Christian journey by being born of the Spirit. Okay? We started our physical life by being born of the flesh. All of us, you know, came into this world through a woman. We, we came through the flesh. If you didn't come in that way, then you're a thief, or you're a robber. That's why the Bible calls Satan a thief and a robber. He didn't come in the proper way. He didn't come in the way that God had ordained him. For you to be a human being and have the right to walk about on planet Earth, you have to come in the flesh. For you to be a Christian and have the right to communicate with the living God, you have to be born of the Spirit. And the only way you can be born of the Spirit is if the Spirit of God opens your eyes to see and understand that God loves you. Paul emphasized that same fact again. And the first thing I'm trying to establish here is to make it clear to each and every person, that if you're a born-again believer, you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, it is because of the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life. No one can say Jesus Christ is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Paul says that again in First Corinthians chapter 12. He is speaking about it. First Corinthians chapter 12, I read in verse 3. He says, therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. It is impossible for a person to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord without the Holy Spirit working in his heart or her heart. So really, we could stop there and say, well, if we have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, that means I have the Holy Spirit working in my heart. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. But now, God still wants to fill us and take us into into a bigger depth. You know, the only requirement you have to... Go and be with the Lord Jesus Christ. is to, accept, to go and be with the Lord when you die is to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because as you accept the Lord Jesus Christ and your Lord and Savior, you know, he, he, he washes away your sin. He, he makes you right with God. He clothes you with himself. So when God sees you, he sees the purity of Jesus. And then God starts to give us the strength and the power to live a life that is pleasing to him. Of course, along the way, sometimes we might fall into sin, but that's where we can go to God and ask him to forgive us. So the Holy Spirit is at work in all believers. Those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior have been born of the Spirit. They are a new creation. The Spirit of God is within them. He has opened up their eyes to see Jesus. He has caused you to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's because of that that everything else that I'm going to say, it will be applicable to you. So, here we are, as believers, just like those first believers that Jesus first met with. We've been born of the Spirit. We've seen that the Lord Jesus Christ is Lord and King. We worship Him. We can pray to God and and God can hear us. You know, in fact, if you've been born of the Spirit, you can pray in the Spirit, because you're in the Spirit when you're doing things by the Spirit of God and by the leading of God. But then, to those same disciples, Jesus said they should go and wait for Him on the day of Pentecost, because there he wants to fill them afresh with the Holy Spirit. Well-known story in Acts chapter 2 we come to now, and I'm reading from verse 1, Acts chapter 2 from verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So here we now have the believers who had already accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, now being filled afresh with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues. And the people heard them because some of them heard them speaking in their language. Sometimes it's the languages that you don't understand. Sometimes it's the languages that you can understand. But there was a feeling and they were praying out. And that's exactly what the Lord had asked them to do. Asked them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now that wasn't the only incident and I want to move on from there. Several years later, in fact about a year after Pentecost, we come to Acts chapter 8. And here in Acts chapter 8, and I have to paraphrase these stories, Philip the Evangelist had gone to Samaria. Now, many of you remember Samaria. If you've, you know, been listening over the years, you know that the Samaritans and the Jews were not best of friends. It all came down from the time when they went into exile in the Old Testament. But the Samaritans were considered like, you know, the relatives that the Jews didn't really like that much. Put it like that. But Philip the evangelist went there and he started to preach the gospel to them. And as he preached the gospel, people started getting saved. And here's where we pick this up in Acts chapter 8 verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now they received the Holy Spirit. The Bible doesn't tell us what happened. It just says they received it. But we can get some hints on what happens. Listen to the next verse. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the hands of the apostles... He offered them money and said, Give me this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered him, May your money perish with you because you you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. Now, Simon, by the way, he was somebody who had been doing all kinds of miraculous magic before the apostles turned up. And so the people were, you know, thinking that he was a, something great. And when Philip turned up and he preached and they were set to the Lord Jesus Christ, then the apostles came, they laid hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. Now, Simon obviously saw something that let him know that they had received him. Most likely he saw them speaking out in tongues or prophesying. He saw that manifestation. So he thought that, oh, let me, give, give me money. Let me give you money so I can have this ability too. And we could see the stern rebuke that he got. Now here, the, the Holy Spirit is not for sale. It's not based on how good you are. You know, if you go out to the market today and you've got your money, you can buy, you know, anything that you want to buy. The Holy Spirit is not like that. He's someone that is given freely by God to those who have received him. So in a sense, if Simon had already been a Christian, he would have known that he already had the Holy Spirit. He was doing magic. He was outside the camp. There's one thing that comes across here, it's this. For us to ask God to fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit, we must start from the point of where we have already received the Lord Jesus Christ and we already have the Holy Spirit working within us. The Holy Spirit is not for sale. and Simon got rebuked, but the whole point was this. He saw that with the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit came. We move on to see another incident of this because I said I want us to take us through the New Testament um, especially through the book of Acts And now in Acts chapter 9 we now see another incident where in, in this case it was Paul now Acts chapter 9 I'm going to read this from verse 17 and Paul as you know started out as Saul he was somebody who was zealous for God but he didn't Believe in Jesus to start with. He just thought that all that was religious stuff. And he went about persecuting the saints. He thought that they were heretics. He thought that they were teaching the wrong things. And he was sincere, but he was wrong. You know, one of the things that can often stop us from walking in the gifts of the Holy Spirit is ignorance. We just don't know. And we can be sincerely ignorant. Paul was, Saul at this time was sincerely ignorant. He thought that the Christians were doing the wrong thing. Because he was a Jew, he had been brought up in the Old Testament. And so hearing people say you've got to accept the Lord Jesus Christ and that's all there is to it, he thought that's wrong. Now what happened as he was on the way to Damascus, going there to arrest the believers, the Lord Jesus Christ himself appeared to him in a flashing light. And we probably, hopefully we can remember the dramatic experience that Saul had when God appeared to him and he eventually gave his life but when the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to him there was a bright light and he was made blind now here's where we pick this story up from Acts chapter 9 from verse 17 then Ananias went to the house and entered it God had told Ananias to go to see Saul placing his hands on Saul he said brother Saul the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And taking some food, he regained his strength. So here we see hands being laid on Saul his eyes were opened. He received the Holy Spirit. Now, nothing there is said about any of the gifts of, you know, speaking in tongues or anything like that. Even when he was baptized there, that was probably water baptism. But we know from the testimony of Saul that he walked in the gifts a lot. He spoke about this later on. And if you open with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, here is the Apostle Paul speaking, the very man who had just had hands laid on him. First Corinthians chapter 14 from verse 13, and listen to this. For this reason the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say for I pray for if I pray in a tongue my spirit prays but my mind is unfruitful so what shall I do I pray with my spirit but I also pray with my understanding I sing with my spirit but I will also sing with my understanding otherwise when you are praising God in the spirit how can someone else who is Put in the position of an inquirer, say amen to your thanksgiving, since they do not know what you are saying. You are giving thanks well enough, but no one is edified. Verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. That's Paul kind of making a boast there. But in the church, I would rather speak a few intelligible words to instruct them than 10,000 words in a tongue. And he goes on to speak now. Now, here's the point that I want to bring out. Number one, when Paul was prayed upon, he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he spoke in tongues. We know that he made that very clear. But he also went on to say, when I am praying, I will pray in my understanding, and I always also pray in my spirit. We use both when we are praying. Because there are sometimes you get to situations that you just don't know how, what to pray about, how to pray about it. And I'm sure we've all had it in life. You know, you face certain situations, you just haven't got a clue, and you say, Lord, God, help, and you pray, and you you pray out in the spirit, you pray out the mind of God. Now, if we're in a place like this, and we say, everybody stand up and pray, and praise out to God, you are praying to God. You can pray in whatever language you want. You can pray in your local language, your native language, pray in tongues, that's fine. And that's what Paul was talking about here. But of course, if I want to come and I want to preach, I won't be preaching in tongues, because none of you will understand me. If I want to come and I want to pray at the end of the service, there's no point praying in tongues. You won't know when to say amen. But if we are all praying out, as Paul is saying here, I will pray in my understanding and I will also pray in the Spirit. That is, when we're having time of prayer, sometimes we say, oh, "Now everybody come out and pray out. And if you can pray in the Spirit, pray in whatever language you want. It's between you and the Lord. And it helps us in our prayer life. And that's what Paul is saying. But of course, if I ask you to come to the front and come and pray for the church and you want us to say amen, then you better pray in the language that we understand. But the main point here is here Paul received the Lord Jesus Christ his hands were laid on him he was filled with the Holy Spirit he prayed out in the Spirit and he encouraged the believers to do the same also in the months that we are going ahead both within our own individual life and within the nations there's going to be many things that come along that can be terrible and trembling to the hearts of people but the Lord will see us through them amen And that is why when he gives us these gifts, we should embrace them and use them and flow in them because they're there to strengthen us. And so here we see Paul coming out in the the spirit, praying with the spirit, encouraging us how to pray in the spirit and encouraging us to use it. And as a believer, if you are here, you can ask the Lord, Lord, fill me afresh with your spirit. I need it. Amen. Amen. Now we move on again. Acts chapter 10. I told you we're going to go through the book of Acts here. And one of the points that I'm praying that the Lord will help us in this is to encourage us to all seek more, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to flow in the things of God. To know that God who has called us to himself, who has caused us to be saved, who has got the Spirit of God to work in our lives, to cause us to know him as Lord and Savior, wants to give us all good things. So here now we move on again to Acts chapter 10. Now this is about seven years after the day of Pentecost. To let you know that this is still continuing. The Holy Spirit was there right through. And here in Acts chapter 10, we are now going to meet a man called Cornelius. Cornelius was a captain in the Roman army. He was an Italian. He was a devout man. He was somebody who used to pray a lot and give alms, you know, give alms to the poor. But he wasn't yet a Christian. You know, he, he didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And God heard his prayer and he sent Peter to him to go and preach the gospel to him. And you can read the whole of this in Acts chapter 10. And, you know, actually initially he sent an angel to Cornelius. It was when Cornelius was praying that an angel appeared to him. And an angel told him that, look, I want you to call for a man called Peter who is going to come and share the gospel with you. Now, there's something about the gospel of Christ that has to be preached for a person to become a Christian. You know, it's... Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. I've said that. Being religious doesn't make you a Christian. It's knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That's vital. If not, we're just wasting time. There's a lot going on in the world today, you know, especially with the pandemic and all of that. So many things have been thrown upside down. I mean, look at our churches today. We have more people watching online than we have in the building. And at the end of the day, the only thing that is going to sustain the church is if people know what their relationship with God is about. So even if a time came when they said none of you can meet in a church anymore and they closed down all the churches, would you still be a Christian? And for that to happen, it means there has to be that conviction within your hearts. And so here was Cornelius, he was a religious man, but he didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And God sent Peter to him who went and preached the gospel. But now listen to this. So far... With the exception of the day of Pentecost, you notice that when the people were receiving the Holy Spirit, people were laying hands on them. But it doesn't always have to be the laying on of hands. Listen to this incident. In Acts chapter 10, and now I'm reading from verse 44, Acts chapter 10, after, this is after Peter had finished preaching the gospel to them and they had received the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 10 verse 44 says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The uncircumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptised with water. They have received the Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they might be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So here we have the incident where as Peter was speaking to them, just as I'm speaking to you now, there were some in the midst. they heard the word, they accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, and God decided to fill them with the Holy Spirit right there and then, and they started to speak in tongues. They hadn't even been baptized in water. No one laid hands on them. They were just there, they had a hunger and a thirst, and God decided to fill them afresh with his Holy Spirit. I know the same can happen to you. You can be at home just praising the Lord, and God decides to fill you afresh with his Holy Spirit. It's between you and the Lord. And it's interesting that they hadn't been baptized with water. The one requirement to receiving the Holy Spirit is you receive the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian and you know you receive the Lord Jesus Christ today and then God should take you home to heaven immediately, you're going straight to heaven whether you've been baptized with water or not. Being baptized with water doesn't make you a Christian. Being baptized with water is something you do after you become a Christian. And we always say that when we're having our baptisms here. And so here they were, listening to the word, Cornelius, his heart was hunger for God and God just filled them straight away and after they have been filled with the Holy Spirit then Peter said well we better baptize them with water now because God you know put his, his, his mark upon them and that just goes to show you how important it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit God would do everything to pour that out on us Let's go another incident again. Acts chapter nineteen. As I said, we're walking through in Acts chapter nineteen. Now we are about twenty years after the day of Pentecost, and I took the days, the time to look at these years because I just wanted to to help you see the progression. How even as the church continued to expand and they were getting further and further away from the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was still coming and still working. You know, there's some people that think, oh, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that anymore. That was just a one-off. You can go right through church history. We won't be able to do that now. And you find out that he was always working throughout. He has never left us alone, which is why even up to today when we say, and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the three are all still working and ministering to us today. But ignorance can be a hindrance. So here we are in Acts chapter 19. This is about 20 years after Pentecost. And now, um, another incident happens here, and let me read this out. I'm going to read it from verse 19. Acts chapter 19 from verse 1. While at Apollos, while Apollos was at Corinth, Apollos was was an apostle, was was a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, remember this is the Paul who I, we just read about how he got saved and he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit himself. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them. Now listen to the question he asked them. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He was speaking specifically about you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they answered him. remember, he was asking disciples. Let me take that again from verse 1. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No. We've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul placed his hands on on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. So, Here, again, we find disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were disciples. The Bible makes it very clear they were disciples. They hadn't even heard about being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, to us, that might be strange because, remember, this is about 20 years after the day of Pentecost. But you've got to remember, in those days, there was no Google, okay? There was no Twitter. There was no Internet. These days, if I ask you a question, all you do is just take out your mobile phone and you've got the answer wonderful technology. None of that technology existed in those days. So news traveled very slowly. And so when they were being preached to and Paul told them, asked them a simple question, they didn't know it. And he enlightened them. He he brought that understanding to them. The Holy Spirit wants to fill each and every one of us afresh. Because he knows that in our own strength and in our own power, we cannot do it. We need everything that the Lord has made available to us. It's also clear from scripture here that ignorance can hold us back. If there's one thing that should bring confidence and joy into all of our hearts, it is the fact that if you have received the Lord Jesus Christ, you already have the Holy Spirit working inside you. And he wants to fill you even more and more and more with all his gifts. Now, speaking in tongues, as you know, is not the only gift. There's so many other gifts that are there. And God wants us to have those so that we can walk close to him, so that we can be ambassadors to him. And so that the enemy, too, will not be able to dismantle us. You know, there have been times in my life that I have been saved through a word of knowledge that God has given to me. You know, sometimes God speaks certain things clearly into your heart. We need to hear his voice. In receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues is a gift open to all believers. It does not make you a Christian. You're a Christian already once you have received the Lord Jesus Christ. The only requirement is to be born again believer. Even water baptism is not a pre-requirement. Of course, water baptism is something we do after you receive the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an act of of obedience that God has asked us to do. But if you have, then ask the Lord again to fill you afresh with his Holy Spirit. And it doesn't matter for how long you have been a Christian. You can, on a regular basis, say, Lord, fill me afresh, that I may know your strength even more, that I may be able to hear you even more and follow you even more. And pray much more effectively. In conclusion, if we are going to look going through the book of Acts that we've just looked at, and we'd say, what are the main requirements we have to receive in the Holy Spirit? The first one is repentance, receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, those are the very first words that Peter spoke on the day of Pentecost when he says, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins." and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus himself emphasized the importance of having a thirst and a hunger for the things of God. Remember in John chapter 7, I read from verse 37, He says, On the last day, the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. God wants his spirit and his power to flow within us, not to just be a trickle, but to be a flow, something that is continuously energizing us and strengthening us. But I think I'll end by leaving us with the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In Luke chapter 11, verse 13, here's Jesus speaking. He says, if you then, though you are evil, Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Shall we pray? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's just have a time in God's presence. I'll just us ask the keyboard player just to play something very softly in the background, just to help us concentrate and bring our full attention to the presence of the Lord, who is here already. The very first thing I should say at this point is that if you have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then that's where you need to start. We say this often because even if it is just one person that is making that decision for the first time, it's worth it. Life is a gift. You opened your eyes this morning as my sister was praying this morning, doing the morning prayer. Now she said, when we go to sleep, we shut our eyes. And when we are asleep, we have no clue on what is happening. And the next morning, we open up our eyes. That is the grace and the gift of God. There are some people, they go to sleep, they don't wake up the next day. You open your eyes this morning. That is the gift of God. God giving you another day. To live in the body that he has given you. And what I'm appealing to you now is that also make sure you are also born of the Spirit. And notice that phrase. It says born of the Spirit. It is the work and the activity of the Holy Spirit in your heart. If you haven't received the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's something that you will know, it's a personal thing. You can deceive everybody else. You can be religious. And if you're religious, I pray that the Lord will open your eyes to see the difference between religion and Christian faith. And that's the first appeal repent saying Lord I no longer want to live my life for myself, I want to live it for you and I want you to give me the strength to live a life that is pleasing to you if that's the only thing you were to do this morning it would be worth it If you're not sure about that, why don't you ask the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? Say, Lord, I want to be sure that I'm in a living relationship with you. Now, for the majority of us that you've already made that decision, I want to thank God for your lives. You are precious in the presence of God. And none of us can boast because we could only make that decision because of the Holy Spirit working within our lives. You have been born of the Spirit. You have the Spirit of God inside you. So I'm not asking any believer to come and get the Holy Spirit for the first time. You already have the Holy Spirit. I'm asking you to come and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come and be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. Maybe sometimes it's the way we use our language that causes confusion. But if you are a believer, you already have the Holy Spirit. I'm asking you to come and ask the Lord to fill you afresh. Something that we should do on a continuous basis. When we get baptised with water, it's a one-off thing. We get baptised with water once and that's it. We thank God for that. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we can say as often, Lord, fill me afresh with your Spirit. Now as we've seen, as we've gone through scripture, some people who are just listening to the word and they received it. I remember when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I, was in my, I was in, actually I was in a meeting and the person was still speaking and I just received it. I know other people, they've gone back home and they've been praying to the Lord and he just filled them while they've been beside their bed. Filled them afresh and they found themselves speaking in tongues. But Lord, we are asking you to come and fill us afresh with your spirit in the name of Jesus. And if you want the Lord to fill you afresh, why don't you say that now As you just lift up your hands towards him. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will come and fill us afresh with your spirit. And come and fill us with your gifts. Lord God, we just don't want it to be something that we hear. We want it to be something that we live. Yes, I can sense already that the Spirit of God is putting a thirst in the hunger of some of us. You have that deep thirst to say, yes, Lord, I want to be filled with your Spirit. I want to walk in the power of the Spirit. I want to be able to pray in the Spirit, with the Spirit. Why don't you ask Him right now to fill you afresh? Of course, I'll be here afterwards if you want to come to the front to be prayed for and prayed with. And even if you're at home, you know, there is no hindrance to the Holy Spirit at home. You can lift up your hands before the Lord right where you are and say, Yes, Lord, fill me afresh with your Spirit in the name of Jesus. As God fills us with his Spirit, he gives us a boldness. He gives us a, a, a new understanding of his word. He gives us an ear that can hear him afresh. Oh yes, Lord Jesus, we thank you. Oh, thank you, Lords, King of Kings, Majesty. We're going to take this song as a praise, we're going to take it as a word. You can find more information about our podcast at our website at aboutfaith.co.uk. Please remember to subscribe.